welcome to the podcast of Broadway Baptist Church in Lexington, Kentucky, and the preaching of Pastor Daniel Osmond, a biblical church centered on Christ. If you have your Bibles, open up to the book of Deuteronomy. We're here at Sunday Night Church, and we're going to look at some scripture passage. If you are reading along in your Bibles on our Bible for the year, you're reading along, this will be your passage today. So that's where this passage came from. So, and I want to tell you what this is going to be about. It's going to be about um, godliness and why we want to be and why we are called to be godly people in the scripture. And I'm going to show you this passage here out of Deuteronomy chapter 26, verses 16 through 19. And then we'll flip over in a little bit. We'll look at James chapter 2. And then we're going to look at 2 Timothy chapter 3. Those are going to be our three Bible passages we will be looking at this evening. And what we see here in our Bibles, and what you always want to take the Bible and turn it into how does this apply? What did, uh, what did God have to say two, 3,000 years ago? What was the context of what was going on? What were some of the challenges the folks in Bible times were dealing with? And what's the message the Lord has us for today in 2023? And what we see here in the book of Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy is the summary chapter of the first four books of the Bible. It summarizes what we call the law. And what we're, we are reminded here in, uh, with this is why do we keep the covenant? The covenant is God's promise. It's God's expectations for his people. Jesus Christ came to fulfill that covenant. That's what we live as Christians. We aren't bound by the law. Jesus Christ has fulfilled uh, the law. Always a very important question that people always ask about which uh, rules in the Old Testament. I believe it's 619, or either 619 or 623, the number of Old Testament laws. But we, are, we as Christians, we do not follow all 623 Old Testament laws. For example, one of those Old Testament laws is we're not supposed to eat shrimp. Well, I actually enjoy eating shrimp. Maybe some of you like shrimp. But that is off limits, uh, Old Test- that's, uh, that's an off-limit uh, item in the Old Testament that we are not to, uh, to follow. So how do we know which ones to follow and which ones not? Well, we read the Scripture the, through the lens of Jesus Christ in the New Testament. If Jesus spoke about and confirmed that law, then we follow it. Jesus did not tell us not to eat shrimp, but on so many other areas, he did such as sexuality, such as marriage, such as tithing, such as worship attendance, such as being uh, godly and following and, uh, and loving the Lord, all of those were fulfilled in the New Testament. Shrimp was not one of them. Another one that uh, outsiders attack Christians on is say, why do you uh, have, wear clothes that have two different types of fabric? If you are here wearing a cotton and a polyester blend shirt, according to the Old Testament law, you would be breaking the law because you were not supposed to blend your fabric in the Old Testament. Well, Jesus did not tell us we couldn't wear cotton and polyester clothes, so we don't follow that. So that's, that's how we know. And if someone asks you, why do you not follow these certain laws? That is why with that. But then we're going to see this covenant summary right here. So this is where we're going to pick up. This evening, verse 16, Deuteronomy 26, 16. The Lord your God is commanding you this day to follow these statutes and ordinances, 
Follow them carefully with all your heart and with all your soul. Today, you have affirmed that the Lord is your God and that you will walk in His ways. Look, now we're, look at this. Walk in His ways. So that's what it means to walk with God. We want to be men and women who walk with God. We want to be a church, a church family who walks with God. We want to be known among your family and with your children and your grandchildren. That is a man, that is a woman who walks with God. Keep his statutes. His statutes are his commands. He's telling us here, these are what his expectations are for his people. Keep his commands and ordinances and obey him. The Bible is calling us to obedience to God. That is our expectation. And today, the Lord has affirmed that you are his own possession, as he promised you that you are to keep all his commands, that he will elevate you to praise, fame, and glory above all the nations he has made. God has chosen and selected in the Old Testament the nation of Israel to be his people. Why did he do this? Because God ultimately knew he was going to send his son Jesus into the world in 0 B.C., in 0 A.D., at the time from Old Testament to New Testament, right there with the birth of Christ in Bethlehem. But he, in order to do that, he needed a people to work through. So he called and chose a man named Abraham. Abram back then, God renamed him Abraham. And from Abraham came a nation that ultimately leads to Jesus, that ultimately Jesus died for us. So his chosen people are, were chosen ultimately, that's Israel, ultimately leading up to us being the chosen people, those of us saved through Jesus Christ. And it says he's going to elevate you for praise, for fame, and for glory. Meaning we don't, we don't toot our own horn. We don't live a life bragging for others. We allow the Lord to do that. We allow the Lord to lift us up. We allow the Lord as the one who, who creates fame and who makes us great. And he goes on to say he does this above all the other nations and that you will be a holy people. Here's the key passage for today. God calls his people to be different than the other nations. Just like we're called out here in Lexington, we're called to live different lives. We are known by how we are alive. The word holy is a theme from the Old Testament all the way to the New Testament. God is a holy God. It means he is perfect. He is set apart. His people are holy people. This is why we want our lives of being that that reflects the Lord because he is holy. We are a holy people to the Lord. That's who our holiness is to. It's not to our spouse. It's not to our children. It's to the Lord. You're, you're doing these things not to please others. You're doing it to please the Lord. To the Lord your God as he promised. So I want you to flip over in your Bibles to the book of James. So I'm going to show you some examples of godliness in the Bible. What does godliness, what does holiness look like? Because we do live in a time of, we are desperate for holy and godly people in unholy and in ungodly times. And that's the times we live in now. The word uh, uh, godly in the Bible is used 16 times. And every single time, it's in the New Testament. So the Lord is calling us to godly living as New Testament Christians. So this first passage here, if you have your Bible, you're in James chapter 2, 
verse 20. I want you to follow along here because we're going to see two examples of people who live godly lives. And these are people whom, in many ways, some unlikely people whom the Lord has chosen to highlight of examples how you need to live your life. And I think the Bible gives us these people for us to share with these, our Bible stories so other people know how to live in the stories of God in our Old Testament through the lens of our New Testament. James 2, 20, senseless person. It's a great way to start a Bible verse. Are you willing to learn that faith without works is useless? Wasn't Abraham, here's our first example. So look at Abraham. Wasn't Abraham our father justified by his works in offering Isaac, his son, on the altar? God asked Abraham, there's this place in Jerusalem, back in the old times before it was even called Jerusalem, it was called Mount Moriah, and then it got renamed Jerusalem, and that exact place, Mount Moriah in Jerusalem, in the exact location, is where the temple is built when David built the temple, where he, he, well, he wanted to build the temple there, he purchased the land, and then his son Solomon built the temple. Today, that is where what we call the Dome of the Rock is located, right there. Now it's an Islamic place. But that's the location of where the temple should be. And it only can be right there. Say, why was that? Because God told Abraham, Abram, you take your son, Isaac, and you go up on Mount Moriah, and you offer him as a sacrifice to me. And Abraham, the Bible says, believed God, and God credited him as righteous. God could read Abraham's heart, and Abraham knew, you know, I'm going to go offer my son here as a sacrifice. Even if he dies, I know the Lord, who is the author of life, can bring him back from the dead. He had complete trust in the Lord. If you remember that story, right there, he was raising the knife, ready to kill his son, and all of a sudden, the Lord calls him, Abram, Abram, stop. He says, don't hurt your son. And look over to the right, there's a ram stuck in a bush. That's instead is going to be the offering. So what the Bible's telling us, that is a picture of godliness. He had, a, he had faith. He had a belief that God could do anything and would do anything. So he's our first example we see here. He says, in verse 22, you see that faith was active together with his works, and by works, faith was made complete. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abram believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness, and he was called God's friend. What a great name. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. Meaning what happens, understanding that Bible verse, because if you maybe have some Roman Catholic friends, they will tell you that we are saved by faith and well, works. They would say it requires both. The Bible teaches us that we are saved, and the whole book of Ephesians is about this, that we are saved by faith in Christ alone. But from that faith in Christ, you will see works. People will display a workmanship, uh, an eagerness for gospel ministry. So what happens is if you see somebody who claims they're saved, that they love the Lord, yet they have zero works, they don't, 
do anything for the Lord. They don't even have a desire. They don't even like church. They don't even like anything. You really have to say, is this person saved? I mean, they, they claim they're saved, but there's zero evidence. There's no fruit in their life. And we're not to go around judging folks. The Bible judges people, but it's saying a saved person is going to have both. You're going to see saved people who love others and who want to do God's work. They want to serve. They want to be on committees. They want to be deacons. They want to sing. They want to preach. They want to teach. They have an eagerness for the gospel. They want to teach VBS. They want to do stuff for the Lord. They want to go on mission trips. They want to be active. That's, that's what he's saying here. Now, here's our next example. It's Rahab. She probably wouldn't be our example we would think of. Rahab was a prostitute in the city of Jericho right before it fell. And she actually housed and lied to people about the spies. Israel, the nation of Israel, came into the promised land. And their first little city to take was the oldest city on earth called Jericho. And they go there, it has these fortified walls. And they sent some spies into the city. Just two little men snuck on in and just kind of walked around to see how thick are the walls. What's the place like here? We're about to take it. And uh, guards were a little suspicious of these people, and they needed to lay low. So where do you go when you want to lay low and you're an outsider? You can find a prostitute and stay at her house, not to use her services, just to stay there and, and get some help. Well, that's what the Israelite spies did. They went to Rahab because she was known for having a lot, of, a lot of men stopping by her home, and you know the guards were still suspicious so then they went to talk to Rahab they were everybody in the whole little city was well aware who Rahab especially the men who Rahab was in Jericho she then was told she hid them she helped them escape and get back safely and they said you take that scarlet thread that uh, that piece of uh, of uh, a cloth red cloth and you tie it on your door and you stay inside your house you do not go outside for any reason and all the walls collapsed. They marched around there seven times. They blew their horns. The walls collapsed. Jericho was defeated, except this one little slither. And that's where Rahab lived. Her home and her life was spared because she believed the Lord. She showed favor to the spies, and God blessed her for that. And she's here mentioned as an example of great faith. Of all people, the prostitute Rahab is viewed as someone who has great faith in God. So folks, we have to be careful that we can't go around trying to decide who has, who has and who doesn't have great faith in God. Because you look, Abraham's over here about to kill his son. Rahab's a known prostitute. And the Lord is highlighting both of these folks in the book of James chapter 2 saying, these are your two people who have great faith in God. And he says here, in the same way, wasn't Rahab the prostitute also justified by her works in receiving the messengers and sending them out by a different route? For just as the body without spirit is dead, so also faith without works is dead. She showed her belief in God by her generosity and her kindness and by helping these spies get out. She was saved. And she is a New Testament hero here mentioned in the book of James. She's an example for us today. Last section, I want you to keep going in your Bibles. Book of 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. You're going to turn to the left there in your Bible. Verses 1 through 5. 
And this here is going to be our uh, passage that we look at about hard times. Do you know anybody on hard times? We were just in our deacons meeting and we were talking about our benevolent ministry. You know, we collected the benevolent ministry this morning during our worship services. And that's what we we help people out who have hard times. You know, we might be approaching a recession, tough times here in America. I mean, that is a reality for uh, all sight, all types of people. I want to say even God's people experience hard times when there's a famine, the righteous and the unrighteous experience the famine. When it rains, the righteous and the unrighteous experience the rain. I mean, tough times are going to fall on the good and the bad. Well, here's the Bible talking about hard times. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. But know this, hard times will come in the last days. The last days is the end of time. Tough times are going to come. It will not be easy, the Bible tells us. For, and here's a sign, and you, you read these verses here, and this will tell you, If you think we live in hard times, does this look like the last days today? For people will be lovers of self. That's that's today. Lovers of money, boastful, proud, demeaning, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy. That's what we're a passage we're talking about. Deuteronomy chapter. Folks, this is today. These words describe our culture. Unloving irreconcilable, slanders, without self-control, brutal, without love for what is good. I mean, just lo- no, no, folks just don't love other folks. Traitors, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of godliness this is the key verse we're going to look at. Because this is what counterfeit godliness looks like today. During hard times during the end times there will be a form of godliness but it denies its power the bible tells us to avoid these people we're to avoid these people now that phrase there holding to a form of godliness but denying its power what does that mean what the bible's uh, saying right there for us is that there are people who live a godly, they, they, you can't really call it a godly life because it's a fake form of godliness. It's a moral life. But they do not believe they're living this moral life to honor the Lord. They're doing it to please other people. They're doing it for appearance. They're doing it for the, the favor and the recognition of man. And the Bible's telling us says you your godliness, the way you're living your life is not to please men, it's to please God. We live a moral life. We follow God's command because we want to live a life that honors the Lord. Godliness is the proof of our faith. When you live a godly life, when you live a holy life set apart for the Lord, you are proving to the Lord. You're proving to others, saying, I, Daniel, I'm a godly man, and I love the Lord. And that is what, that's why holiness is so important in the Bible for us. So your, your character, your, uh, your godliness, this is something we treasure and we protect and we hold very high. But the object of this is not to please others. Folks, it's to please the Lord. Because that's how it shows that we 
are God's people. So we're set apart for the Lord. The Bible teaches us this here in Deuteronomy. It confirms it with the two examples of Abraham and Rahab, two of people you would maybe certainly expect Abraham to be in there because that's whom God chose. But then an unlikely person of Rahab, God chose to show his example. These are your people who have great faith, who have a great love for the Lord, in whom the Lord bless. I'm going to close this in a prayer. Then we're going to have our invitation. And then we're going to go into our, our bi-monthly business meeting. God, I thank you for all the folks here this evening. We love coming to church. God, we love hearing messages and studying your word. Lord, take these words and let them seep into our lives. Let them change us. Jesus, I pray as we have this invitation, if there's anyone here, and there likely is, someone who needs to make a decision, this is our time to respond to you. Lord, we give you these words, seal it on our hearts. And Lord, we thank you for what you're doing in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Gene King's going to lead us in our song. We're going to all stand together. We close every service with an invitation. I will be standing here. You respond to the gospel and make it public tonight.